Summer's End. A Good Omens Potfic, written by Feral Tuxedo and read by Literarian. Chapter 9 The Trap. Aziraphale always knew where his switchblade was. Right now, it was tucked away in the right-hand pocket of his trousers. It took less than a second for him to reach for it, click it open and press the flat side of the blade against the soft flesh of the stranger's throat. There was a heavy thud as the gun dropped out of his hand and fell to the ground, followed by a grunt of exhaled air when Aziraphale threw himself against the man with his entire body weight, pushing him right up against the outside of the caravan. One move and I swear I'll kill you, Aziraphale breathed. Do you understand? The man let out a whine and pressed himself even closer to the wall, arms rigid by his side with his palms facing back. Stumbling footsteps behind him told Aziraphale that Crowley had gotten off his bike and approached. What the fuck are you doing here? The stranger looked up but couldn't move his head without risking the knife cutting his skin. His black eyes bore into Aziraphale, even as he spoke directly to Crowley. Looking for you. Crowley stepped closer to the wall, his shaky breath unnaturally loud in Aziraphale's ear. Hurried. Panicked. For a moment, the three of them stood there, unmoving like an art installation in one of the museums of old. Then Crowley shoved past Aziraphale, bracing his arm against the side of the van as if he couldn't quite hold himself upright. He stared at the stranger, jaw tense and twitching. Whether it was his sudden appearance at the van that struck fear into him, or the sight of Aziraphale armed and ready to strike, was hard to tell. Aziraphale softened his stance a little. His knife was sharp enough to keep the stranger pressed to the wall. They were two against one. Crowley, he said, much more calmly than he felt. If you wouldn't mind, any time it's convenient for you. My hands are somewhat busy, you see. Huh? The gun, my dear. Uh, yeah. Crowley crouched down and picked the gun off the ground. He hesitated for a moment before holding it up with both arms, pointing straight at the stranger's temple. The man blinked and, inexplicably, appeared to relax. He grinned. It was the demented grin of a man with nothing to lose but his life, and he'd long since stopped caring about that. 
Think you've got me now, eh, Crowley? Think you've got me at your mercy, just like you did with liquor. Why don't you tell your sweet little boyfriend what happened to him? See if he's quite so ready to kill for you then. Shut your mouth, Crowley hissed. Oh, what? Think he'll stick with you if you blow my brains out? Nah, look at him. He doesn't even know, does he? Know what? Aziraphale asked, kicking himself for the anxiety his voice betrayed. The man's black eyes continued to stare at him, wide and black. Tell him about Ligger. Crowley's hands shook, his finger ghosting over the gun's trigger. No. Tell him. Tell me what? I didn't kill him, Crowley whispered, hard consonants between hisses of air. I didn't kill Ligger. I didn't. The man let out a voiceless laugh, the tendons in his throat pushing against the knife blade. You're finished, Crowley. If I get my hands on you... It would be in your favour to stop talking, Aziraphale hissed. He's not what you think he is, the man continued, unperturbed. He's a thief, a traitor, a murderer, and he will pay for it one way or another. The man spoke with the unmistakable fervour of truth. He glowered, not with the fire of bloodthirst, but with righteous anger. The revenge he sought was just. You must be mistaken, Aziraphale said, much more uncertain. He is. Crowley's voice was loud now almost shrill, like he knew he was losing the game. I didn't kill him, Huster, I swear. The man, Huster presumably, winced at the sudden noise, but regained his composure after mere moments. His mouth thinned to a sneer. You threw him to the demons. Didn't want to get blood on your pretty hands, did you? You may as well have strangled him yourself. It wasn't like that. I didn't. Thought you'd get away with it, huh? Thought you could just run off to live with your boyfriend happily ever after. Doesn't work like that. You killed him and you're going to kill me too. It's all you've got, you pathetic. No. There was a bang as Crowley drove his elbow hard into the wall of the caravan. His entire body shook. He lowered his arm, gun pointing uselessly at the ground. 
Let go of him, Aziraphale. He sounded pained. He looked it too, slumped over in agony, eyes averted from both Huster and Aziraphale. What? You're slicing him open. Aziraphale breathed in sharply at the sight of the thin stream of blood that was trickling over the flat side of the blade, right onto his thumb. He'd pressed down so hard on the stranger's throat, the knife's sharp edge must have nicked the skin with barely any resistance. Still, Aziraphale didn't let go. Crowley... He was trying to shoot you. I deserve it. It's my fault. What? No. Yes. You killed someone? I didn't. He was pleading now, not with Aziraphale, but with Huster. It was a stitch-up. The whole operation. You've got to believe me. They wanted us dead, both of us. Beelzebub and Lucifer, they sent us on this mission knowing we'd fail. Liar. Huster shook his head, beyond caring about whether he was about to get his throat slit or not. Aziraphale stepped back, but kept his hand outstretched, ready to strike if necessary. The gun in Crowley's hand was still pointed at the ground. I'm not lying, Huster. There were demons, hundreds of them. It was a trap. They sent us there knowing we'd die. That was the plan all along. Huster turned his gaze towards him and just stared for some long seconds. He must have seen something in Crowley's eye. A glimmer of truth, perhaps. In a devastating show of resignation, Haster slid down the wall, all the way until he was half crouching, half sitting on the ground. What happened? They lied to us, Crowley said. Beelzebub told us the place was clean. Said the escape route was safe. It wasn't. It was infested. Liga could handle a demon. As can I. But they messed with our guns. We couldn't defend ourselves. No, they wouldn't do that. They did. Our guns didn't fire. First, we didn't know what was going on. We fought them off best we could. Liga was strong. He was. Crowley's whole demeanor changed. He spoke softly, with his eyebrows drawn, as if talking to a child. He was strong, and he was brave, and he did his best. So how come he's dead and you're here? He didn't want to believe we'd been stitched up. Even after I realized, he insisted on staying, convinced they'd come to rescue us. Stubborn bastard. 
I begged him, Hasta. I fucking begged. In the end, I had to run, save myself. Aziraphale looked from one man to the other, barely grasping any of it. Hundreds of demons? Lucifer and Beelzebub? What infernal organization had these two been part of in London? Huster tipped his head back against the side of the van. They said you'd stolen from us. They said you killed him and made off with a pile of gold. That you'd betrayed him. Betrayed all of us. Crowley let out a harsh laugh, but it sounded half like a sob. <laughs> Is that why they sent you here? To get the gold back? Because that bit's true. I've got the gold. No doubt Lucifer thought I'd be killed before I could get it. Was meant to be our reward, you see? The lure to make sure we'd actually go there. Hasta banged his palms into the ground, then raised them to cover his face. Fuck the lot of them. Crowley crouched down now, a small sigh of relief escaping him. He reached out, put a tender hand on Hasta's shaking shoulder, and no more needed to be said. Aziraphale didn't put his knife away, even after Crowley had helped Huster up, taken him to one of the folding chairs and poured him a glass of water. He didn't trust the man. He wasn't sure how much he trusted Crowley either, just in that moment. Best to remain vigilant. Remain armed. He'd picked up the gun, too, and held it loose in his left hand. He'd never touched one before, not even when he and Tracy had been fighting for their lives in London. The gun was much heavier than it looked, warm and smooth in his palm. If it came to it, of course, he'd be useless with it. But he knew how to wield the knife well enough. From a little distance away, Aziraphale listened to Crowley's and Huster's conversation. It made his head spin, trying to keep up. The two men were sitting opposite each other at the table, every trace of murderous intention seemingly vanished. Fuck Lucifer and his greed, Huster said, not for the first time. Did he send you after me? Crowley asked. To get the gold back? Nah, I begged him to let me go find you, to take revenge. He wouldn't. Said it was a waste of time. But if it's true and he stitched you both up... It is. Then it makes sense. He didn't want me snooping. So you ran off? I knew you would have left London. Asked around for weeks until I found evidence that you'd gone north. 
had to sneak around Lucifer. He was keeping a close eye on me. Bastard. And I nearly would have missed you here too. Would have cycled right past all the way up to Scotland, probably. But I stayed at a hotel just outside Tatfield with a very chatty receptionist. Pointed me right over here. Eric, Crowley groaned. Hasta pressed his eyes shut. He looked even more weary now than when he'd arrived at the caravan. He'd had a mission then. Now there was only the despair of aimlessness. What the fuck do I do, Crowley? They'll kill me if I go back. Don't go back to London. Go north. Get yourself to Scotland. How? I've got nothing. Crowley leaned back in his chair. From where Aziraphale stood, he could see his hands clasped tightly together, knuckles nearly white. After a moment, he nodded and stood up. Wait here, he said, and, without looking at Aziraphale, walked past him into the van, pulling the door closed behind him. Hasta turned, and Aziraphale straightened up, tightening his grip around the handle of his switchblade. Hasta opened his mouth as if to say something, but no word came out. Aziraphale remained silent too. He was not in the mood for conversation. Crowley returned, strode up to the table and dropped his wallet onto it, black leather bulging with the wealth contained within. What's left of the gold? he said gruffly. Take it and fuck off. Go north as fast as you can and have a nice life there. For Liga. As soon as Hasta had disappeared up the road, Crowley fled into the garden. Aziraphale considered running after him, but the way Crowley stomped down the path, head bowed, eyes obscured by his curtain of hair, told him he was not in the mood to talk. And so he let him go, watched as he disappeared in the thicket without a backwards glance. With nothing else to do, Aziraphale made jam. The bucket was full to the top with yesterday's cherry harvest, washed with stream water, but otherwise unprocessed. Aziraphale sat down at the table with the large saucepan and the kitchen knife. One by one, he plucked off the stem, sliced into the fruit, and flicked out the pit with the tip of the knife. His fingers stained red with sticky juice, and Aziraphale squirmed as he remembered Hasta's blood trickling over his thumb just an hour ago. The switchblade was back in his pocket, and Aziraphale hoped he'd never need it again. Hasta had taken the gun with him after Aziraphale had insisted on taking out the bullets. 
They lay on the table, next to the saucepan now. When the bucket was empty and the saucepan full of cherries, Aziraphale put it on the gas hob inside the van, turned it onto a low heat and tipped a good amount of sugar into it. Even before the cherries had come to a boil, it began to get uncomfortably hot inside the van. But worse than the heat were the questions that had been floating around in Aziraphale's mind ever since Crowley had returned from the farm. In the silence of the van, interrupted only by the syrupy bubbling of the cherries on the hob, they had all the time and space to settle. Aziraphale stood at the hob and stirred, watching the cherries melt into a ruby, fragrant jelly. He boiled water in the kettle and thoroughly cleaned the jam jars, lining them up on the kitchen counter, ready to be filled. The afternoon wore on, hot and oppressive, and with every minute that passed, his thoughts became louder, more intrusive, their tendrils wrapping around Aziraphale with ever-increasing tightness. It was nearly dinner time when Crowley returned, but the sky was still bright. The sun wouldn't set for another two or three hours. The jam was cooling inside the jars. Aziraphale wiped the lids of every single one with a wet tea towel, gently cleaning them of any sticky residue. I can leave tomorrow if you want. Aziraphale whipped around to find Crowley in the open doorway, looking down at his soil-crusted boots. Out of the many scenarios he'd imagined in the past hour, this had been the most likely. Crowley would try to run away rather than talk, rather than open himself up to Aziraphale rather than answer just one single bloody question. He had expected it. You're leaving? Aziraphale asked, trying his hardest to keep his voice neutral. Course, don't want a murderer around, do you? A liar. A liability. Aziraphale nearly laughed at his pitiful display. He was going to indulge Crowley. Who's Lucifer? Crowley looked up, surprised. He's... he was my boss, so to speak, in London. Beelzebub? His second in command. And what exactly did you do there? You don't need to know. I do, actually. Aziraphale threw the tea towel onto the counter and stepped closer. I appreciate that you think you can just run away from me, Crowley, but even in your state of self-pity you must realise how unfair it would be to me. 
A steely note of defiance stole into Crowley's glance. How so? What have you got to do with it? I was threatened and nearly attacked by one of your associates. In my own home. If I hadn't had the presence of mind to disarm him, we might both be dead. You're welcome. Crowley bit his lip and chuckled. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. You look really hot with a knife in your hand, by the way. Aziraphale laughed too, and the spell was broken. Come on, my dear, let's sit outside and talk. I don't want you to leave, Crowley, and I suspect you don't want to either. They settled in their usual chairs with what was left of Tracy's bread and some sliced tomatoes, still warm from the garden. Aziraphale constructed his sandwich with care, adding a sprinkle of salt and some freshly harvested parsley. Crowley's plate remained untouched. It nearly felt like any other evening, any other dinner. We robbed people, Crowley said. Well, kind of. We helped with robberies. We supplied demons, you see. I don't, actually. What do you mean, supplied demons? Say you're planning to rob a place, a home or a warehouse or whatever. You'd come to Lucifer for the demons. We kept them stored in various places around London. Garages and storage vaults full of them. We would drag them over to where they were needed to create a distraction or a threat or whatever. That's impossible. You can't tame demons. You can't control them. Didn't need to. We moved them during the day when they're just lying there. Put them down in strategic places. Soon as the sun sets, they're out doing their thing. Then we'd get a cut from whatever the robbers had taken. That's insane. The thing with demons is, they're actually really stupid. I mean it, Crowley. How are you even alive? I mean it too. They're dangerous, obviously. One bite and you're one of them. The thing is, people don't know how to fight them. Aziraphale shook his head, wiping his fingers on a handkerchief. The things you say, I barely know what to believe. Crowley stood up, stepped out from behind the table and stretched his arms out in front of him, palms facing out. Let me show you. If I was a demon, what would you do? Come on, indulge me. Aziraphale sighed and stood up as well. Run, obviously. He couldn't help but feel that this was a distraction. Okay, say I'm one of a dozen, nowhere for you to run, and I'm closing in. What do you do? I suppose I'd get out my knife. Go on. 
Aziraphale pulled the knife from his pocket, but kept the blade tucked away inside the handle. The part of him that remembered what it had felt like to press it against a man's throat, to feel the ebb and tide of a living pulse underneath it, wanted to throw it away. Then what? Crowley asked, taking slow steps towards him. Much slower than real demons moved. Um, I would... Aziraphale made a stabbing motion in the vague direction of Crowley's face. He didn't even flinch. And that's how you die. Crowley dropped his arms and stepped even closer, until there was barely a foot of air separating them. That's what people do wrong. They go for the face, for the eyes, with knives or guns or fingernails. But demons don't care about their faces getting slashed or their eyes poked out. They can't see. They can't? No, they sense people somehow, but not with their eyes. There's absolutely nothing going on in their disgusting, decaying brains. I reckon they can feel warmth, though. Body heat. It's what draws them towards us, like moths to a flame. How reassuring. The point is, when people try and fight off a demon, they make the mistake of going for the head, which is useless. Stabbing and slashing, demons don't care about that. But you know what they're really shit at? I expect you're about to tell me. Staying upright. Their balance is awful. So instead of going for the head or the chest, you've got to throw them off balance. Like this. With a move as swift as a pouncing cat, Crowley wrapped his leg around Aziraphale's shin, knocking it away from right underneath him. Aziraphale fell backwards, right into Crowley's embrace as his arm caught him around the waist. From a distance, it must have looked like they were dancing. For a moment, they stayed still, both trying to hold on to the moment, knowing that when it finished, they had to once again return to the agonizing tale that had led them here. Crowley broke it first, pulling Aziraphale back upright. Lucifer taught us how to handle the demons, how to fight them off when something went wrong on our missions and how to carry them around during the day without getting accidentally bitten. And that's what we did. It worked. <laughs> Listen to me. I sound like Lucifer. It didn't work. People died, Aziraphale. People weren't quick enough, or they were asleep, or they thought they could fight us. Why did he set you up? You and this other man. Crowley shrugged. I wish it was for some noble reason. 
Wish I could say I sabotaged him or secretly helped our victims or plotted to kill him. Wasn't. I was just asking questions. About the money. Where it went. Why we never saw enough of it. No idea what Ligger did to deserve Lucifer's wrath. Either way, he betrayed us. I survived. Ligger didn't. I backed the gold and ran off north. Until you found me. Aziraphale was still standing much too close to Crowley. He raised a hand, not knowing whether he wanted to comfort Crowley or himself. I thought I'd be safe here. I thought if he... If Lucifer was going to come after me, he'd head straight to Scotland. This place, it's so out of the way. I thought I could be hidden here. Right. Well, you thought wrong, evidently. Aziraphale took a step back, turned to survey his home, his own place in which he had, until today, been perfectly safe. There was the caravan, paid for with his hard-earned money. There the table, a scene of loneliness until the start of this summer. And just over there, the fire pit. What now, Crowley? You've no need to remain hidden. Hasta said. Lucifer is not interested in chasing after you. You can go anywhere you want. I want to stay, Crowley said, without even a second's delay. He shoved his hands in his pockets and raised his chin, but there was a hint of uncertainty in the flat angle of his brows, the tensely flared nostrils. Half asserting half asking for permission. A smile stole onto Aziraphale's face unbidden, uninvited. And yet he couldn't have held it back if he'd tried. I was hoping you'd say that.